Hey guys, welcome back to the Sisters Podcast. It's Anissa. Today we'll be talking about the disappearance of the Beaumont children. So I'm going to be telling you guys this now. It is a true missing persons case. And it's one of Australia's most famous missing persons cases. It has been unsolved for 55 years, one month and four days. That's how long it's been unsolved for. The Beaumont children's mum actually died in 2019 at the age of 92, I believe. So, on January 26, 1966, Jane, Anna and Grant Beaumont, there were three siblings. At the time, Jane was nine. At the time, Anna was seven. And at that day, in that year, Grant was four. So... Their parents let them go to Glenelg Beach, which is where they disappeared from, on Australia Day of 1966. And so their parents gave them enough money to get something from the bakery, get to the beach from the bus, and get back. But the 1960s in Australia was the time where parents would let their kids go to the beach or to the park or out with their friends by themselves without thinking that they wouldn't get taken. So this has been unsolved for a very, very, very long time. And the reward as of 2018 was 1 million Australian dollars. So Jane, so Jane, Anna and Grant lived with their parents, Jim, a former serviceman and driver for suburban taxis and Nancy Vermont, who had married and they who had married in December of nineteen fifty five. Their house was at one oh nine Hardington Street Park, a suburb in Adelaide, South Australia, not far from Glenelg Beach. I probably thought that the children and many others at the height of the surf music often visited January twenty fifth, the middle of summer's heat wave. Jim Beaumont dropped off the children at Glenelg Beach before heading off for a three-day sales trip to Snowtown. Jane, the eldest child, was considered responsible to take care of the two younger siblings, and given the social conditions of the time, their parents were not concerned about the trip. On the morning of January 26, 1966, Australia Day, the children asked their mother to visit the beach again as it was too hard to walk, they took a five-minute, three-kilometer bus journey from their home to the beach. They caught the bus at 8.45 a.m. and were expected to return home at 12 p.m. noon at, on the 12 p.m. noon bus. Nancy Beaumont became worried. However, when the children did not return on either the 12 p.m. or 2 p.m. buses, when Jim Beaumont returned home early from his trip around 3 p.m., he immediately drove to the crowded beach, unable to locate them. He returned, and together they searched the streets and visited his friends' houses around 5.30 p.m. They went to Glenelg Glenelg Police Station to notify them of the disappearance. The police quickly organized a search of the beach and adjusted areas based on assumptions that the children were nearby and had simply lost track of time. But at that time, I don't think phones were really even invented. I don't know. 
I think they actually might... Yeah, they won't. But if they did have phones back then, they would have been able to, like, message their mum or, or stuff like that. So, and they simply lost track of time. The search expanded to the Sand Hills, Oceans, and nearby buildings with the airport, rail, rail and rail lines and inter, interstate roads monitored two bays of fear, accident, or kidnap within 24 hours. The entire nation was aware of the case within three days on January 29th was a crime now feared highly to rapidly involving fear that had been abducted and murders by a abductor despite this in intelligent or official reward of only 250 Australian dollars. Police quickly established that between them the children were carrying 17 individual items including clothing, towels and bags but none of those items were never found. They actually drained the water at the beach i don't know how and then divers also went in the water to try to see if there were any of the kids items or even if the kids had possibly like drowned at first they thought they must have lost track of time or they might have drowned a lady said that they saw that she saw the three kids with a man but at the time anna's parents well, Jane's parents said that Jane was very shy and that it was odd that she seemed really comfortable with a stranger, even though her dad had told her not to talk to strangers. But none of those items were never found. The Patawonga boat haven was drained on the 29th of January after a woman told police that she had spoken with the three children who was similar in description to the Beaumont children nearly that near that haven at 7 p.m. on January 26 police candidates and members of the emergency operation group searched the area but nothing was found police investigating the case found several witnesses who had seen the children in Collie Reserve near the beach in a company of a tall blonde Police later established that the man had fair to light brown hair and not blonde. A thin-faced man in his mid-thirties of a sun-tan complex of an th- a thin to athletic build wearing swim tr- swimming trunks. The children were playing with him and appeared relaxed and enjoying themselves. The man also approached one of the witnesses, however, asking if anyone had been near the belongings as their money was missing the man went off to change while the children waited for him and the group were seen walking together from the beach sometime later when the police estimated to be around 12 15 p.m the beaumont cho- the beaumonts described their children particularly jane particularly jane as shy for them to be playing confidently with some with a stranger seemed out of character investigating authorities what the children had that the children had perhaps met the men during previous visits or visits and had grown to trust him a chance remarked at the home well apparently my one of my friends said that at the time there wasn't so many people in those years at the beach or in that suburb so they may have met the man 
whenever, like, like I said, like, whenever they went to the beach, and they might have actually grown closer to him and trusted that man. Growing to trust him. A chance remarked at home, which seemed insignificant at the time, supports this theory. Anna had told her mother that Jane had got a boyfriend down at the beach. Nancy Wilmot thought she meant a playmate and took no further notice until after the disappearance. A shopkeeper at nearby Wenzel's Bakery also reported Jane had bought pastries and a meat pie. If you guys don't know what a meat pie is, it's an Australian, like, hot food where it's like a pie. But it's got, like, meat in it. You can put tomato sauce in. Americans and people say ketchup, but Australians say tomato sauce. And... With a $1 note. A note. That makes no sense, because we don't have $1 notes. It's only in America. This was Australia. They must have made a $1 coin. Police viewed this as further evidence that had been, they had that they had been with another person for two reasons. The shopkeeper knew the children well from previous visits and reported that they had never purchased meat, I mean pie before, and the children's mother had only given them six shillings. So shillings back then like money, and six, and six coins enough for the bus fare and lunch, and not a one dollar coin. So. Police believed it had been given to them by somebody else. Other sightings. According to an initial statement, the children were seen walking alone at about 3pm, away from the beach along the jetty road. So a jetty in Australia is like a harbour or a boardwalk, pretty much. That's what a jetty is in Australia. In the general direction of their home, the witnesses, a postman, oh, the witness, a postman knew the children well, as, and his statement was regarded as reliable. He said the children were holding hands and laughing in the main street. Police could not determine why the, the reliable children already one hour late were strolling alone and seemingly unconcerned that it was. This was the last confirmed sighting of the children. The postman contacted police two days after his initial statement and said that he thought he saw them in the morning, not the afternoon, and had previously said. A few weeks after the children disappeared, retired New South Wales police detective Ray Kelly also arrived in South Australia to assist official investigation. At first, Kelly was welcomed by South Australian police Kelly returned to New South Wales the following day after the investigation. After investigating police became aware, Kelly was sponsored by the Sun, a now defunct Fairfax tabloid. Prior to all this, Kelly was known to leak police stories to rival news. The now defunction Daily Mirror, a Sydney-based media circus over the Belmont children ensured between Fairfax and News, Kelly had returned to Sydney with a viral lead most unhanded, undoubtedly handed him by, mo- by Adelaide Police. Positive witness account of the Belmont children being led into one direction of their home by an adult male. That virtual lead was not published in Adelaide Press or anywhere outside Sydney 
and it's not yet digitised on Trove. Several months later, a woman reported that one that on that several months later, a woman reportedly oh my gosh, I can't even talk right now. Several months later, a woman reported that on the night of the disappearance, a man accompanied by two girls and a boy entered a neighbouring house that she had believed empty. Later, she had seen the boy walking alone along a lane. He was pressured and roughly caught by the men. The next morning, the house appeared to be deserted again and she saw neither the man nor the children again. Police could not establish why she had failed to provide this information earlier. Only other reported sightings of the children continued for about a year after the disappearance. The case also attracted international attention on the 8th of November I found it. Hobart letters. About two years after the disappearance, the Roman parents received two letters supposedly written by Jane and another by a man who said he was giving the children. The envelope showed a postmark of Dandingong, Victoria. The brief notes described relatively pleasant existence and referred to the man who was keeping them. Police believed at the time the letters could be quite likely to have been authenticated. After comparing them with all others written by Jane, the letter from the man said he had appointed himself guardian of the children and was willing to hand them back to their parents. In the letter, a meeting place was nominated. The Bowman parents followed the detective to drive and then they, the man didn't give the kids back because they brought a private investigator with them and that he the man apparently had written the letters as a harmful joke but I don't think that was a joke so I'm running out of like time before I get picked up for my dance lessons so I'm gonna end this podcast episode and then I will keep going later bye